Uduwasha city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow. 800 years ago, the gates of death were broken by the Emperor Immortal. The five key bearers, however, had already unlocked them and walked right through. It is in Uduwasha city they dwell. Now, the ghost field breathes next to our reality, lit by the eternal flame of the well of Udu. It is a second skin, a place where thought and will struggle against gravity and light. In other places, the dead congregate in the ghost field, but in Uduwasha, the well city, the hell city, they fall straight into the flames. See its glittering districts, Chitichpur, where the rich plot to buy the horizon, Bundavest, where the refugees of two different nations flock, and Pasarhandu, the vertical maze of market and murder. And here is Udepat, where the ceaseless temple resides. Its inhabitants, a family, a snake, and a god. The temple has stood since before the gods of this world were forgotten. Watch as it turns the wheels of revolution. Welcome to Desperate Retune, an actual play podcast about people who take risks so they can survive against the odds. Well, hi. Uh, welcome back to Desperate Retune and our current campaign of Blades in the Dark called A Candle Ablaze, set in the city of Uduwasha. I'm Tree, or Saumitri, I'm your GM, and I will be running this game for you today. My name is Emma, I am playing Joan, a retired ghost fighter, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Chloe. Uh, in real life, my name is Zohab, and I'm a he, him, and I'm playing Miras Chakraborty, uh, the crew's Leech, who is an engineer turned cult leader. I'm Prince. He, him. I play Vickers, a roof baller and Miras's wife. I'm Soap. I play Abbas, the religious scholar and uh, pain in Miras's side. And um, yeah, my pronouns are he and him. Oh, I actually forgot my pronouns, which are all of them. Um, I really don't care. I mean, it's, it's very easy to forget all of them. In- indeed. This is, this is certainly what I find. Um, so, when we ended our last session, in the sky, Vickers, the angel of death, was soaring above the Roof Bowl tournament. Uh, I'm sorry, Roof Bowl match. It was being held for charity because some conniving busybody was intending to demolish the temple and build in its place some kind of terrible sh- shopping mall. Instead, we hope that the crew will make enough money so that they can bribe the bureaucrats and kind of get out of this alive. Some of the problems they are currently facing includes the fact that um, Begum Boshundara, the busybody aforementioned, is about to get her thugs to kick everybody out. Um, Morosim, the hive contact that Miraz borrowed some money from, has turned up with two thugs in the uniform of the Angels of Death, uh, surely for some nefarious purpose. And the snake, his majesty, watching all of this from a, a perch that has been built for it, uh, specially for the occasion. Is there anything else I'm missing? I don't think so. I think those are all of your terrible things that are currently going on. 
believe uh, Abbas and Emma were in the middle of an altercation with yes. Bushmulhara and the, her. Yes, yeah. so Abbas and Joan uh, were there. Miraz was headed to help Vickers, I think. No, Miraz was uh, blessing a nobleman, a noblewoman and her daughter. And Vickers was, of course, in the sky. Um, so let's, I think, start with what is probably your most pressing problem, which is this impending, uh, let's not call it a riot, but certainly outbreak of violence, right? So Begum Boshundara, who is the, um, I'm going to quickly look it up. Uh, forgetting her. A commission? I believe it's the Udeput uh, Redevelopment yes, Society. Or... No, it's the Udeput Development and Restoration Committee, or is it the other one? No, no, that's this one. Oh, the uh... Development and Restoration one is the one that wants to develop and restore um, <laughs> the temple to its correct place as a shopping mall. Um, of course, at the same time, uh, the big enemy of the Commission for Development and Restoration, which is the Commission for the Preservation of Udeput, uh, has also arrived. Please use the correct title, which is Udeput Society for the Preservation of Landmarks and Heritage. Yes. And when I came up with these names, I was afraid that I wasn't making them uh, long and winded enough, but it's good to see that that's not an not issue. Not only are they long and uh, long-winded enough, I think um, you may you may have risked me making them longer and longer as we play this game. Um, All part of the plan. Indeed. So, Sheikh Abdul Qasem Siddiqui on one hand, and Begum Boshundara on the other hand, um, close to an outbreak of violence because uh, Abbas has trialed and tried and um, succeeded somewhat, but not, oh no, you rolled a three, failed miserably at trying to uh, avert any kind of problem. And I think Sheikh Abdul, who I think is himself not very keen on violence, but he, he's come with some like, uh, like some friends, some ne'er-do-wells who wouldn't mind a punch-up. Like, you know, you're going to a roof ball match, you expect some violence. Um, so Abbas, at the moment, you've kind of like um, managed to delay violence by a little bit by focusing it entirely on yourself. And that is where we last saw you. So I think Begum Boshundara um, whistles in the way uh, that only a person who is used to getting attention uh, whistles, which is a loud and clear, and for one second we even see the people playing roofball like turn their heads as if like, are we being given an instruction? No, they're not being given any instructions. But certainly some people are about to do um, not very nice things to you. Joan, where are you? Are you approaching this uh, at this moment? Um, Joan, I think, was in this conversation as well uh, and felt it slipping away from her when Abbas uh, took the stage, the center stage of it. Yeah, I think you are correct. Yeah. Uh, so Joan and Abbas, both of you can see, um, there's a couple of people, uh, I don't think they have weapons. I think they are perfectly willing and able to beat you up with their fists. Um, and they're not like, you're you not known to be violent. They're not expecting you to be 
you know, like resisting them. Um, but certainly one of them makes to like grab you by the collar and kind of like swear at you and make it very clear that uh, you better tell everyone to clear off a bus. What would you like to do? Ooh, all right. So you mentioned you said that uh, the other party, the with uh, Abul Qasim, also may have some goons with them. Well, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't say these are not like trained thugs necessarily. They're both they're more people who are comfortable in a scrap. But like Begum Bushundara has come with people who um, people who were expecting to maybe like do some violence. So like in in a straight out fight. Abdul's friends would probably give their best and not win. Oh dear, what did we indeed? Okay, so so they they all oh right. So just remember, okay, they they just want me to tell like so we we've had the, the little get together here to delete proceedings, and they just want everyone to clear off. Yeah, they just want everybody to leave so they can get, get go ahead with like quote unquote inspecting the premises and like basically making a note of what they need to do in order to bring it down. I think. Uh... Not to interrupt, but just to add a little bit of extra context. I think Miraz would have noticed this situation, especially like if they lay a hand on Joan, right? Yeah. And I think he'll be making his way through the crowd as fast as he can, but probably not fast enough to take over the initiative. And I don't think, to be clear, they are targeting Joan yet because Abbas's resistance was um, directing the violence instead of it like kind of exploding out outwards onto him specifically. Uh, okay, my bad. But yes, I'm, I'm making my way being, forward. Like, yeah, in danger, no doubt. Like, okay. Uh, okay. So let's say uh, I think maybe um, I think uh, Abbas might notice Ramirez coming towards him because it's not like, and I think that yeah, it's not too like it's not too dense. Maybe like the grounds are big enough to see someone. Or, or like you know, Abbas maybe okay. How about this? Abbas is looking around. You know, is uh, probably his first instinct in a situation like this would be to see where Vickers is because she's the one who gets some auto scraps like this. Unfortunately, she's aerial. Yeah. Yes, she's. Yeah. Everyone can see her. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. I think just to delay, Abbas got to turn to Abul uh, Kasem and say, uh, Kasem, by are you really going to like, let them get away with this? Hmm? This temple has stood here for thousands of years. And you're going to let them turn it into a shopping mall? Do something. Come on. If you want, want him to back you up, this is a role. Um, he's your friend. So in any other situation, you'll probably have limited effect, which is to say that like, he would try and get in the way and then fail, right? But he would make some attempt. But in this case, uh, you've known each other for a long time. He's willing to do this. And he's like you know, more likely to put someone in front of him. So I think you can have standard effect. But, like, you are still in a desperate position, and right now you are risking, like, level three harm, I think. Um, which is to say, like, this guy's very happy to just, like, break your arm. And uh, not in a nice way. Remind me, was Abdul the hang glider guy? No, Abdul was not the hang glider guy, was he? He was the... Okay. Um... He's, the... He's the guy with the... Uh, he's the Udapur, he's the conservation. Jesus Christ, these names. Uh, yeah, I just don't remember who uh, gave who Miras was bonding over hang gliding with. If that was Abdul or someone else, but he was. Yeah, I have a contact, but he hasn't appeared on screen. Yeah, he has not. Yeah, I, that's who you contacted in order to get your hang glider. Yeah, the hang glider guy is the brilliantly named Bahadur Badur. Yes, yes. <laughs> I see. 
So yeah, I think um, if you are leaning on uh, your connection with uh, with Sheikh Abdullah, this is more likely to be a consort. Um, I think like consort and sway both work. Both of them will have standard effect. They will kind of manifest slightly differently, right? But like, um, you'll definitely get what you want, which is like him to intervene. Yeah. Um... I, okay, so tell me, as uh, desperate as you, this kind of yes. thing? Yes, oh no, or... level 3 harm, friend. He's gonna, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, oh boy, let's see what happens. Help me. I was gonna say, do you want oh. a devil's bargain, assistance? No, you've just gone for it, that's fine, fine, it's fine. Okay, I know exactly what happens here, which is that Sheikh Abdullah does actually, he's looking at Begum Boshundara at this moment in a... Like, he's quite shocked that she would attempt this kind of rank violence in such a, a place of history and uh, sacred meaning, right? And rather than doing the clever thing, which is like asking, you know, the young strapping woman on, to his right to intervene, he goes, what in the name of, what do you think you are doing here, sir? And instead, um, this, this, this guy who is going to like beat the shit out of you punches uh, Sheikh Abdullah in the face and uh, probably like breaks his nose. So you will stop it, you will not get hurt, and Sheikh Abdullah will get hurt on your behalf. Uh, and quite badly, I think. Mm -hmm. I want to protect. Yes, excellent. Yes, so I think I'm rushing in. And just as you know, I see the fist about to rise and do violence, I'm going to interpose myself. And you know, I'm fast, I also do play. I also do play the roof ball. Yes. I'm done with the kids. Uh, I interpose myself, and I'm going to grab this guy by the hand, and I'm going to look at look around. I don't think I know Begum Bushundara by sight, so I think I'm just going to like address the crowd in general mm -hmm. and be like, "What is the meaning of this? This this is a this is a celebration. It's a it's a roofball match. There's no place for violence here. It's a it's a holy day. No, no. Listen, if there's some sort of problem here uh you address me i'm the i'm the high priest okay um so the protect action as written means that you are taking the consequence instead of uh about right mm -hmm. so yeah unless you are now going to resist um you're the one getting punched in the face yeah okay i think uh yeah that's fine okay so actually no i know, oh, I know what this well, does in I, fact i also trauma out by the way uh okay then i know exactly what this looks like uh, so you say this, uh, so you rolled two twos uh, in order to resist, and you took four stress, so that's a trauma. What happens when you take a mm -hmm. trauma, when you max out your stress track, is that you're briefly taken out of the scene as you deal with the, um, the stress of everything that's happening to you. And I have a question, actually, for Vickers here, which is, Vickers, what weapon is your system best trained in? Oh, my sister. Um... Good. Okay, I will give you two answers. I think it depends on the severity of the situation. I think that she absolutely is a trained sniper, but I don't think she would rely oh, on that yeah, in this situation. This moment, probably, yeah. But obviously she also has a fencing foil. Yeah, okay. And so I think this is what happens. Uh, Miraz, you step in the way, and what is about to be like uh, an incredibly dangerous blow is in fact, in fact deflected by... You probably, um, have you like recovered from your injury yet? No, I'm still head cut. So I think in that case, um, 
what happens is you will take a level two harm, probably something like broken nose, because I think, I, I, I think it's quite funny, this image of first Abbas getting hit, like punched in the face, and then um, Sheikh Abdullah getting punched in the face, but it finally turns out Miraz is the one getting punched in the face. As soon as that happens, uh, the thing that also happens, the reason that you're taken out of the scene in this moment is that uh, he's about to like draw back and like really go at you. And we see Elizabeth Ashcroft, uh, whom nobody calls Lizzie, thank you very much, draw her fencing foil not out of the scabbard, like it's still in the scabbard. It would be rude to draw uh, a sword in a, in a place like this and point it at, at this guy. And she will say, I'm afraid that this person, and she says person in with like, like real disdain, right? Like this, this like leech. Um, is already spoken for. He will be coming with me. And then she turns to Abbas and Joan, whom she knows at least by reputation, and says, your temple is none of my concern, but I'm afraid I must have some conversation with my brother-in-law. And she like picks you up by the scruff. I don't think you're knocked out, right? Like you're still like conscious or whatever, but you're unable to resist her, like pulling you like away from the crowd. Uh, which is now getting more heated because Sheikh Abdullah's friends definitely did notice that like he was about to get hit very badly. And now the tense standoff is really going to devolve into violence. Before we transition, I want to have my reaction to this. So Miraz gets punched, sucker punched, and he's like, what the fuck? You fucking, what? And then like, Lizzie? Lizzie, what are you doing here? Yeah, very good. I said I'd like to step into the situation devolving before before it gets into a fr- all that brawl, if that's yes, possible. Yes, I think that you have exactly one moment to act here because some violence at any roofball-related event is not uncommon, right? Like, sure, sometimes they play matches and there's no violence outside the match at all, but usually there isn't. But in this case, given the people involved uh, and given the very high tensions already, um, you're very likely to, yeah. So you can, you have, you have a moment here to stop it because you haven't been involved yet. So you've, you're perfectly poised to do something. Um, I think you are still in a desperate position here, but I think in this case, the desperate consequence is not harm. I think the, the desperate consequence is your congregation and like your crowd, not all of whom are necessarily like you're faithful, but certainly your congregation being like, quite badly beaten, um, which, you know, is really quite bad. You should, I, yeah. But that is your desperate consequence. Um, Excellent. So a, like, a sudden, like, extreme decisiveness comes over her and she um, appears, as you said, exactly in the right moment and in the right place to uh, stand between the two groups with something of a green glint in her eye. Mm-hmm saying, you stand on holy ground and you will listen to the will of the Infinite One. Abdul Bashundara, he wishes to speak to you both as your host before you make any decisions or start throwing any, any commands. Incredible. And then the, the seriousness like, uh, melts out of her face and to a kind of kind smile. So please, if you'd follow me. And I am using hypnosis for this to push okay. myself. Um, desperate. Uh, this sounds like a command to me. 
Yeah, definitely yeah. does. So uh, desperate, you can do this. I think again, I don't think you were at, like limited effect necessarily before, but I think your standard effect here now is that they will come with you. And to be honest with hypnotic, they will come with you anyway. But like the way that that manifests will be quite different based on whether you roll a three or a four plus. Um, yeah. And to be honest, now, probably now that you've cooled on your god, some of the desperate consequence will bleed over there. But because you've invoked him, he's probably also, like, he's casting an eye, right? So, like, in some way, in fact, the harm to your congregation is being shielded by him. But that's not a, it may not be, like, a cheap thing. It's probably, probably better to just get, like, everybody beaten than draw the attention of your god, probably. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. Probably. But Joan doesn't know that. Um, is there anyone who could help me in this regard? I think I can assist you, yes. And you are trying to get these people's attention and, like, have them talk to you and diffuse the violence. Am I getting that correctly? Definitely. Yeah, so I think what I will do is I will peel off some of their thugs because, obviously, my team is still acting. So the ball of the roof ball will bounce next to them and they are going to be very distracted because even if they're not in the match, when the roof ball is near you, you act. Oh, no. I will I will assist you by having planned for the ball to like bounce and roll behind everything that's going on and a couple of the thugs peel off. Very good. I also think, by the way, that this uh, I know exactly what's going to happen to you, Vickers, if uh, this doesn't go perfectly. So that's very good. Um, good. Yeah. Are you pushing for effect or for a die? I am pushing for a die, I think. Makes sense. So that's two dice. Okay. I do love the idea, by the way, of like a rugby ball landing near someone's feet and just like this look up and then and then consternation as if a grenade had landed there. Yes, that's basically the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so two bonus dice, desperate standard. Let's see this wrong. It's okay. a five. So here's what will happen. The first thing that will happen is that both Boshundara and Abdullah see in your eyes the will of something ancient and divine. And they are powerless in the face of it, right? And though Boshundara doesn't give a single shit, she does live in Uduwasha, where uh, the divine exists, very obviously, and she cannot deny it. Um, Sheikh Abdullah, on the other hand, is almost on it, right? Uh, so they will come with you. I think that your... Hypnosis is in fact so powerful and, the, and the, the, the God is so convincing in this moment that they will not be the only people who will come with you. Um, and I think that one of, two of the people who will also join you are the people who were, um, the people who um, Miraz used uh, the influence of the God on, who happens to be nearby, who are... A noble of House Andrakis, who we gave her a name. Yes. I named the child Nabila Andrakis. I did not name okay. the mother. Uh, the mother's name is Farzana. Um, I've always liked the name Farzana. So I think like uh, Nabila and Farzana, oh, I know exactly why they're nearby. It's because the rugby ball has landed nearby. And Farzana, as we know, is a huge, sorry, Nabila is a huge uh, roof ball uh, fan. So I think... The snake wants them to come with, so it's not just going to be the three of you. You're going to have some hangers on. That's your first consequence. Um, 
The second consequence is that the person uh, who looks down at their feet and sees the roof ball and goes, shit, why, fuck, please, is saved. And uh, they are saved by two thugs in a uniform, very familiar to you because it's your uniform, but they are in fact Morrison's thugs. They are not uh, players. And they're going to use this opportunity to pick up the roof ball and get into the game so they can do some damage to Vickers. Or something. Maybe, maybe they are for other reasons. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I love it. And I think like those are your two, like rather than one desperate consequence, what's happened is two risky consequences, right? Like, and you can resist either of them separately um but what will happen as you move towards the perch is people will recognize that clearly something is going on uh the violence at the moment has stopped because both the leaders have like apparently been summoned by the gods so they're gonna take a step back and i think this is when we cut to the roof ball game as these two thugs i'm so tempted to give them like very funny names yeah i'm gonna do it um, they are called Goopy and Baga. Oh, God. And uh, they are actually roofball enthusiasts themselves. They do love the sport. Uh, that's why Morrison picked them. Um, and as a result, they are very like, uh, like fluent as one of them picks up the ball and then the other one like, puts his hand like, uh, down near his hips and like, locks his fingers and launches the first one, right? Because technically, after you pick up the ball, you're not allowed to be touching the ground. Um, and as a result, it's okay to be on another person. It's just not okay for you to be touching the ground. So like, there's like a cool moment where um, he jumps, picks up the ball, and then jumps back onto the roof. And he's got the ball now. And because he's trained to sabotage you, he's running back towards your goal. Because... Uh-huh. Good. I know precisely how to deal with this. By the way, I, I also want to take one step back here and ask each player to give me one rule of roof ball, which may or may not be universal. Maybe it's only specific to this match, this region, Uduasha. But I think that like, while we don't need to define the entire sport, it would be nice to know some things that people can and can't do. And like, my contribution is that you can't be touching the ground while you hold the ball. Uh, and I will nominate Vickers to go first as the currently playing uh, player. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. Absolutely. I think that there's... I will introduce an obscure mm -hmm. rule just to start with it. I think there's a specific rule about the location of the team captains. Okay. Where, like, if either of the team captains, like, abandons the match, then they lose. But But the issue is, of course that um, the match is fluid, right? There's no one set playing field. So it's not like you can leave the playing field. It's more about if the team captains are a certain distance apart, then one of them is considered to be running away unless you rectify this immediately. Incredible. Okay. So, in fact, one of the things that the referees must do is that, like, be able to calculate how far away you are apart from each other. And the second that they see you're too far apart, they will start a timer. Very good. Um, exactly. Excellent. Uh, I now nominate Abbas uh, to tell us something about Roofball. Okay, that's uh, an idea I had before, and it's not really a rule so much as a gap in the rules, which is that the, the goalposts can literally be moved. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Very good. Like, it is, 
like some of the uh, most dramatic moments have come in the last minute of Rufal games where the, the opposite team is about to score and you, you just pick up your goalpost and you run with it. <laughs> okay, so is there only one goal? That there, that's like two goalposts, right? Like, so the points... Yeah, well, one on each, one, one on each end. Um, I think there, there is a goalkeeper in this game, but rather than his job being to like stop no, the ball from going into the net, he literally is <laughs> in a runs away with it. Uh, amazing. Um, Joan, would you like to tell us something about roof ball? Well, so we've established that once you have the ball, you're not allowed to move uh, or move while, by touching the ground. But there is a little addendum to that, in that if the game should proceed indoors through, say, a broken window, furniture does not count as the ground. So the game is also the floor is lava. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah of course. Good. Excellent. A plus. And lastly, Miraz, why don't you tell us something about this incredible game? All players are required to be living human beings. I'm going to just write this down. All players are required to be living human beings. Incredible. Uh, so, uh, here's a run, like, just a few of the rules of Roofball that all of you know very well. Um, because, are you still in the air? Because I think if you are, you run the risk at some point of, in fact, um, activating the timer. Oh no, I am, I am zooming straight towards the, the other oh, team excellent. captain. Very good. You see, it was defined last session, if you recall, that uh, she is the strength of her team. Like, they're actually not that good, but she is uh, very good at coordinating them. And so my plan is to dive bomb at her, kick her in the solar plexus, knock the air out of her so she can't communicate with the team. And now that we have this rule about not being too Ooh. far apart, I think I'm going to go further than that. I'm not just going to kick her in the solar plexus. I'm going to kick her away. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Just uh, out and the way off the roof yeah. somewhere. She can yeah, deal with very it. Very good. Um, so, Miraz, you made some adjustments to the hang glider, right? So it's not like a complete garbage hang glider. It's still pretty bad. I think it's like t quality, quality one, one. But it's not like going to fall apart at any moment. Um, which I think means you're only no, in a no. risky position because Vickers is also like, she's athletic and physical and so on. So she's okay in that regard. So I don't think you're in a desperate position yet. I think this is quote unquote just risky. And, you know, great effect. You, like, you know exactly the, what the weakness of that team is. You are coming straight at them. Mm -hmm. They can see you, but there's not very much they can do about that right now. Like, I think what is happening maybe is um, uh, the opposing captain is kind of like, like trying to get away, and then like when she realizes you're coming straight for her, is bracing for impact. Um, but yeah, like I think the risk here, in fact, is that uh, as you do this, uh, Goopy and Baga will get closer to your goal because own goals are still goals, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have a solution for this. Obviously, they have seen my team, quote unquote, pick up the ball. So obviously, without their leader commanding them, they're going to tackle the people carrying yeah, okay. the ball. <laughs> so if this succeeds, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay, I think the action is skirmish, probably. I think yeah. that's... I think roofball actions could be skirmish, wreck, and finesse, but in this case, skirmish makes perfect sense. And I will activate the Tiger's Fury, which means that when I activate it, you can push violently against your enemies, knocking them back, down, or over. So no matter how this goes, she will be sent away. 
And it also gives me a bonus die, so risky, great, bonus die. Can I get an assistance from someone? All right, so the, the offensive team is coming for the ball, which is in our uh, city, and uh, we've got like where the the violence has been taking place. Hmm. Are, are we on the move? Is Joan taking them away towards the... Yeah, Joan is leading the people away to have a conversation. So it's it's actually just you and me here. It's just Abbas and Vickers who are like in the scene at the moment. Uh, how about this? Can, well, if maybe Abbas can join it, lead the charge for the opposite team towards the thugs, and but but just peel away. Uh-huh. <laughs> so basically, just temporarily join the opposite team and infiltrate <laughs> them too. Yeah, just infiltrate them. Make sure that, <laughs> make, make sure that they're charging correctly. We, we do know that Abbas is particularly good at giving instructions to these exact set of people. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so the confusion is maximal. I will take that assistance. <laughs> Thank you. And it's a four. Okay. So I do accomplish my goal, but yeah. with some consequences. So I think this is what happens. First, uh, as you are in the air, we get this incredible shot, like the anime kind of shot, right? Like of like looking up and like the lens flare off of your like hang glider and wings. Um, but it's a very odd lens flare because the light is not from the sun. It's from like the mirror happening to reflect the light of the fire in your direction at that moment, right? Um, so we see this like because for a moment genuinely like an avenging angel um, before realizing that she is not here to like kick ass and take names. She's here to kick ass and uh, take control of the ball. So you crash straight into your opponent. Um, she has no chance, no time to like really react and this may not even be the first time you've done this and your previous training definitely like I think helping you. And I think that like you bowl her clean over a roof. But unfortunately, I think below this is just another roof, like where you are playing the current, like where she happens to be standing. I think she managed to make sure that she wasn't going to hit the ground uh, because that would make things more tricky if someone was to pass the ball to her. But at the moment, like, I feel like what you have done is uh, done the thing where you have you seen like in the Batman games where like you swoop down, you hit someone and they go flying, but you're still like holding on to them. Right. So you have control of her mm-hmm. um, and she's taken a very bad beating. But while this is happening, Abbas, you are very good at giving instructions. And as a result, what has now happened is that the people leading your charge have kind of gone, okay, our captain is out of commission, but apparently we have a vice captain now who's just as good. And so they follow your instructions to the letter and improvise where maybe you didn't want them to, um, manage to get the ball out of Goopy's hands, like very, like, like fluently kick them out um, and start charging at your goal in a well-defined, practiced formation. And unfortunately for you, your team is not able um, to withstand this. And unless something happens right about now, uh, they're going to score. Now, roof ball scores can go anywhere from 0 to 100, depending on what variant you're playing. But right now, the score is nil-nil. So if they score, that will be, you, are, you will be losing. Do you want to resist any of this? Hmm. Thanks. Uh, I mean... It doesn't seem like a terrible, I mean, you know, uh, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like a, a terrible thing to happen to go 1-0 down in a game where the score well, can go up to 100. You would say that, or, but like, we'll find out how you roll, and maybe this game ends 1-0. Yeah. One thing we have not defined, by the way, is how Roof Ball ends. We'll find that out sometime during this. 
Hmm. You know, I'll, I'll let it happen. I think it's funnier that way if I was just. Yeah, like <laughs> you get some very puzzled looks from your team, and like certainly one or two of them who have like real faith in you um, are like, "Oh, uh, it's Abbas. He's telling them maybe, maybe this is all a plan, right?" So like one of the reasons that the opposing team is getting very far is that they are choosing not to. Maybe this is all like a sly ploy, right? Um, so okay. <laughs> I want to, like, as this happens, I want to just cut to uh, Miraz and Elizabeth, who are now, I think, um, a little bit further away from the crowd. Maybe you're actually in the temple. Uh, I don't think Elizabeth has any knowledge of the temple. I don't, this is probably the first time she's been here. But, you know, she goes to the door, like, just holds you in. It's much quieter in here because the action's all outside. Uh, sits you down and has you kind of like basically at sword point as you recover from this and she says um, ah brother-in-law I would like to have a word oh, uh, hello uh, Lizzie uh, met, your, met your father the other day and uh, why are you pointing a sword at me You're, you always do this sort of thing you never just come around and just say can I come over for tea uh, is that okay with you mirrors and Vickers, it'd be lovely to see you. No, you always show up with a sword, or you show up, bang the door open, and go, what are your intentions with my sister? Why can't you just be a normal person? I am, in fact, very normal, brother-in-law. What is not, what is not normal not. is... Um... How is this normal? And I'm, and I'm going to, like, hold the sword, and I'm going to, like, by the point, and kind of wave yeah, it around. Yeah, and I think she will say, ignoring you, just bullying straight over you, will say, and even louder, using superheated gas to melt a man's face off and then walk away as if it is perfectly normal. That is not normal, brother-in-law, and it is of great concern to me because, well, you are married to my sister, and uh, my father did see you, and he did tell me about that. It seemed very gruesome, in fact, the way he made it out. Of course, his, uh, like, her father is your nemesis, and he's very incentivized to make it seem even more gruesome than it was, but it was already pretty gruesome to start with. Yeah. I think Miraz is going to kind of flush and be a bit flustered and say, Oof. well, I didn't want to. He, well, I won't say he had it coming. It was pretty awful, as you say. Your father thinks it was gruesome, huh? He, he didn't have to see it straight straight up. And Miraz doesn't say, he, Miraz doesn't add, he didn't have to smell it. But that's what is running through Miraz's head. And then he kind of tries to dismiss the memory of it. Anyway, uh, it was self-defense. It was the only way I knew how to get out of the situation. And, well, I don't see why you need to point a sword at me because of that. Well, the reason I need to point a sword at you, brother-in-law, is because I have discovered that the man that you were fighting, and in fact, some of the men you've been dealing with, are hardcore criminals. Men of the underworld, belonging to an organization called The Hive. You may know of these people. I understand you took a large amount of money from them for some undisclosed purpose. Hmm? Maybe the reason that I'm pointing a, pointing a sword at you is because I understand now that you are and always have been a scoundrel. Hardcore? I mean, I don't know. Morosim and his friends? They're a bit amateur. Uh, what's the hive? The hive, brother-in-law, and I do not for one second believe you do not know this, is one of the most dangerous criminal organizations in Akros, and they are even now spreading their tendrils using people like you in Uduwasha itself. Now, 
you are not policed in the civilized and decent manner that most places are. You have uh, these vigilant who don't show their faces. But even they are fighting very hard against the hive, brother-in-law, and you are doing them a disservice by choosing to aid such people. The vigilant, you believe in them? They don't exist. And uh, the, the hive, they can't be... Well, if they're hiring people like Morrison, they can't be all that. Listen, I think you have the whole thing. You're, you're blowing the whole thing out of proportion, right? There's a bit of a celebration outside. There seems to be some sort of, I don't know, some sort of pro- problem with zoning law or something. Uh, my uncle Abbas can sort that out, I'm sure. And I'm, here I'm like dabbing, dabbing at the blood on my nose. Ouch. Uh, Vickers, I think, is playing roof ball. You know, you know how it is with her. Listen, we can just go outside, we can have a nice evening, and then we can, you know, allay your concerns. Yeah, I think this is a role. I think you have to convince her. And I, in fact, you're in a pretty controlled position in that nothing is going to go very wrong here. Like, she's got you at sword point, quote-unquote sword point, right? Like, she's going to stab you. But I think you're going to have a limited effect in that uh, she's not just going to let you walk away. So you can make an impression, but not enough to get all the way out. I think this is one of the situations where my character is trying doing something that calls for a role, even if I don't personally see, think, see it as working. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it will work. I don't know. Yeah, controlled, limited. And like the thing with limited effect here is that standard effect would be you convince her and get away. Limited effect is she pays some attention perhaps to you, but she doesn't let you leave. Okay. Is there a devil's bargain? Oh, is there a devil's bargain here? Everything that happens here... Uh, is going to go straight back to your father-in-law. He might have otherwise not, you know, like, bothered to mention it to him, but now, yeah, all of the not not great bits are going straight. Okay. I, so I have broken nose, level two, and head cut, level one. I'm going to use broken nose to reduce my dice by one. I think that makes sense. I'm trying to be like, everything's fine while profusely bleeding. Six though, um, so a six and a three, very good. Huh. Oh yeah, it should actually it should actually just have been the six because I forgot to take away a dice for the. Oh, it's still a six. But it's still still six. Amazing. Um. Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting. Why does this change her mind? Okay, I think that you stand up, and I think actually what kind of impresses her is. Your bare-faced willingness to go, everything is fine, even though you are clearly injured, right? Yeah. Everything is fine. You know, I mean, I've had worse yeah. from Ruthball. I have. Um, and I think she, yeah, with a six here, I think she also maybe, like, intuits that you genuinely don't know maybe what the hive is, right? So she's not about to let you leave. But what she will do is, like, she'll, like, kind of, like, do the thing where maybe... Um, she like flicks the sword, like puts it in your way, and says, um, "Truly, brother-in-law, you cannot tell me you spent years in Duskwall and did not hear about the hive." The hive, the hive. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yes. That I mean, I knew some people uh, who did drugs in the student hall, as did everyone, of course, right? Uh, not me. Well, uh, you know, just, I I say that just to reiterate because, like, she's clearly. Suspects of me, the worst of me, right? Well, no, no, I, I never did anything of the sort. But yeah, I mean, people used to always say that they got this and that from this and that place. And I've heard of the hive, I suppose, but I also heard of the unseen. I've heard of the foundation. 
wait. Yes. I'm indeed. in the foundation. Uh, she oh. says, I think. No. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they're I fine. I think she says, the hive are not to be trifled with, brother in law. They are a power. They have approached my father about funding this airship. Now, he was not swayed by them, but they are looking for footholds in Uduwasha. And they, not having found me, and not having found my father, may have found you. Now, please understand, Vickers is doing enough to embarrass us. And, well, I can clearly see what kind of man you are, but the Ashcroft name cannot afford to be sullied in this fashion. All right, Lizzie. And here, Miraz is, you know, he's losing. He's lost a bit of patience, but he's trying to rationalize and calm her down a bit. All right, Lizzie. Okay. Okay, let's say the Hive is a force to be reckoned with, as you say. Even though why such a force would be hiring a man named Morozim, I have no idea. The man is an absolute scoundrel and a chump. But I have ha not had good dealings with Morozim, and I doubt I'll have good dealings with any of his other compatriots. So if you're worried about me being, I don't know, in their pocket or one of their stooges, well, rest assured, I am not. I don't like them, and I don't think they like me. I think her eyes narrow, and she says, so you have already upset them. Uh, uh, your father saw me hit a burst of an esteem pipe on one of them. Yes, I suppose they don't like me. And I think she um, like raises her sword just a bit, and then says, um, So Lizzie, you need to have other ways of communicating. You already have my attention. I'm like waving it, waving my hand at the sword. Like, put that ridiculous yeah, thing. Yeah, I think she will say, ask whoever it is you deem wise about this. Ask, I suppose your father is a nice enough man, or perhaps so that woman, Joan, may have heard something. Ask those who you trust. And come back to me when you understand that this is no joking matter. And I am not attempting to gain your attention. I'm attempting to impress upon you. She's being very serious. Well, and like, it's probably odd because you've never seen her like quite like this. Like she's been disdainful, you know, I'm better than you. But like right now she's genuinely like, mate, can you really just get with the plot? Okay, fine, fine. Consider me suitably impressed. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to tell Morosim and his... And his friends Is to fuck here? off. Oh yes, he's a he. I saw him skulking around, trying to make some sort of mischief. I suppose if you're worried about it, maybe you can help me eject them. I suppose uh, this sort of thing is also speaking their language. And I pointed the sword. How you permitted their influence? Fuck. Very well. Lay on. Yes. I haven't permitted their influence. What am I supposed to do? That we, we we can't afford a security guard on on, on the on the temple gate. You have an entire team of thugs playing roofball, and you cannot afford to set one person against your enemies? Oh, come on, Miraz. Either you're incompetent by or team, you are that's... Well, clearly, I'm not the criminal mastermind you think I am. That is becoming rapidly obvious. Yeah, and I think, yeah, she's like, okay, fine. Let's go see this guy. Um, Weaponized stupidity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joan! Um, you are making your way to this perch. Uh, and in fact, what is somewhat like not surprising to anybody like in universe, but like interesting for us as viewers is that like uh, all four of these people, so Nabila, Farzana, uh, Boshundara, and Abdullah are all 
um, very adept at like climbing over roofs, right? Like uh, getting a leg over a, like a low parapet to get on the other side, right? Like this is just like how you walk in Uduwasha, right? As you approach the patch, uh, the snake, which until now has been like kind of coiled quite lazily, but like watching with interest uh, what is occurring now turns to look at you and immediately the four people behind you are compelled to bow, right? Like they, it's, it, it's an involuntary reaction. They immediately just like um, fall to their feet and, uh, and, and like, like kneel in obeisance to the God. Do you do that? I give a bow as well, but a slightly yeah. more relaxed one. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, I think His Majesty says, Joan, I see you have visitors. Greetings to you. Be welcome in our humble little temple. Guests indeed. She, <clears throat> who are, she says with a little smile, coming, I believe, to inspect the integrity of this holy ground, structurally speaking. But first, of course, a tribute and a an honoring is in order. Yeah, and I think um, as soon as you say this, the first person to kind of rise is uh, is the girl Nabila, right? Um, she stands up, and from her uh, from the inside of uh, the jacket that she's wearing, she produces a what looks like a, uh, a small ring and probably not worth very much, but the way that she's handling it indicates that it's of like great sentimental value, right? And she presents it to the snake and says, um, Lord, I felt your touch upon me. This is but the least I can show you. And I think the snake looks at her and smiles and doesn't say anything as she places the ring in front of it. The other three are genuinely too stunned to act. Like they're just like, what? Like this is an actual God. I, oh my God. Oh my God, indeed. I'm, I'm kind of trying to think uh, what to do here. I, it seems like uh, the immediate goal of uh, getting the situation under control again and <clears throat> continue to be like Lord in our own house is uh, achieved. Yeah, the main problem is, of course, that having done that, you have brought like some mortals in front of your garden. They are not used to its influence, apart from the one on whom it is exerted influence. This is like, you know, you see a ghost, either you resist, you run away, or you are shocked into silence. Except in this case, they are shocked into fervent belief. Well, that's, that can be pretty good for us, but it is a little bit awkward in this moment. So I think, uh, yeah, I think what Joan is going to do is speak to them and encourage them. I, I think, I think, no, I think what she's going to do is uh, turn to the eternal one, turn to the snake and ask, um, I believe they carry some concerns as I have said before would you be willing to hear them once the roof ball match the entertainment for today is concluded i think the uh the snake 
turns its head, sees the match, and then looks back at you and says, oh, do not worry. I'm perfectly capable of observing both. And then, like, as if, like, kind of, like, like an like a elderly person forgetting something and then suddenly re- remembering that, like, oh, wait a second, they're still in shock. Um, it, like, shakes its head, and they, they both rise. And, no, all three of them rise. Uh, and Farzana, like, uh, holds, like, uh, Nabila's hand and just, like, pulls her back as if to be like, don't fucking get in the way, little girl. This is stressful. And Boshundara, being the more brash and rude one, is going to look at the snake and say, I have read about your cult, oh great one. You are a god of change, of, of renewal, of growth. Is it not within your remit to change what is so that what may be will appear? And I think you realize in this moment that like the risk, of course, of like putting someone like this in front of a god is that you don't actually know whether the god is going to be like, nope, or it's going to be like, actually, this would be quite funny. Um, so unless you do something now, uh, the snake might just be like, you know what, maybe we do need to redecorate. Who knows? We are, we are a god of like uh, eternal change. And, uh, you know, I mean, don't change the sanctum sanctorum, but like, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. And like... You can see, because of your familiarity with it, you can see that like alien mind for a moment think to itself, this would be amusing. And unless you do something, it, it is going to say out loud, this will be amusing. Um, yeah, I think she will like kind of, maybe, maybe kind of hastily interject. We do still carry, carry uh, ceremonies here and guests that are in need of our roof and a priesthood that is in need of the space. It's change is something to be desired that we can all agree on. I am worried, however, representative, turning to Kushundra, turning to about the depth of the change and the person who decides what sort of change is to be made. I think the snake says, well, it seems to me we have the perfect committee to decide right here, do we not? And then it like turns and looks at Nabila and says, you are a, a child of Anrakis. Un- yes, you would, you would also make an excellent addition to this, commu- to this committee. Joan, I think that the four of you will draw up a plan. Detail how you intend to enact change here. It has been too long. We have been stagnant. We have been bored. And I think it is time to see something new. And I agree. There is much to value, but there is so much more yet to be seen in the world. And like, you know, this is your God. Like, it's, it, it is the holy word of that which, that which eternally changes. And... Honestly, I think you will need to roll resistance just to try and talk back to it because this is not an ideal fancy. There is no world in which Joan would think of uh, counteracting that. And so I think what the snake does, and for a moment, all of you, even Nabila, who is the child, uh, even though she's technically not on this committee, all of you are briefly transported from where you are. You find yourselves in a cavern. And in this cavern is an infinite number of candles. 
each of them flickering what appears to be a different color. And you can smell what appears to be maybe sugar, maybe cinnamon. You can't really make out, but something, something delightful, something savory. And you see the snake and the snake says, in the name of that which eternally changes, in the name of the Chakraborty, I charge you, bring me plans. And I think it, uh, as it says this, each person here sees a candle and the candle flickers before burning even brighter. And somehow you feel like, oh, that one's mine. That's the one that'll go out when I die. And then you're transported back. Joan bows her head. Thank you, Lord, for your wise counsel. You are very welcome, my dear. Of course, you are will, you, if you would like, if any of you would like, you may stay here and watch the festivities. It appears that Abbas is leading the opposing team towards their own goal. Now, that is a novel strategy that I'm sure will backfire. And I think this is when we cut, right, to Abbas leading this team and back to the roof ball uh, match because we see the snake... And in the snake's eyes, we see exactly what is happening, right? And we get that moment of like, um, what, are, what sometimes happens on like TV, right? Like where the iris of the person who's watching becomes the scene. I want to define something about Roofball here. I think that having just scored, because we did establish the other team did score, right? And I think having scored, what makes sense to me is since the goalposts can move, I think what the team does after they score is the team that, that got, you know, whose goal got hit, yeah. they move their goal. And the team that scored a goal kicked the ball onto a roof. And then you get like a number of points, basically style points for like the coolness of the kick and how far away you kick it. And if you kick it yes. to an empty roof and so on. And this is rather than just reset the teams, yeah. like the match is always ongoing. It's just once you score, you get the opportunity to kick. And then, you know, the match totally changes because one of the goals has now moved and the ball is now somewhere random. I think that is what's happening at the moment. Yeah. I just wanted to define think, that. In fact, as, as soon as they score... One of the rare, like, brief pauses in a game of roofball occurs when Vinay, the gargoyle who was meant to come see Zajidan, but is also the referee of this game, like, has, like, one of those referee wh whistles, like, blows it uh, very shrill, very loud, two times, which is the signal, of course, for score. And uh, he comes rushing in because... This is one of the few things that you have to respect, right? Like you can't steal the ball away from the team that's just scored. Uh, and roof bowlers would 1 billion percent try if they could. So the referee turns up and there is a knowing glance passed between the referee, Vinay, and one of the me team members on, um, on the Scarflander side. And this is the moment where we discover, of course, that unless you've done the same, um, the Scarflanders have definitely bribed this referee, uh, which is customary. But they bribed him to make sure uh, that they'll be, he'll be on their side because otherwise he was going to probably pick you, right? I don't think we have the money to do it, but maybe Abbas can yeah, persuade him I mean, like, him if you want to flash back to persuading, that is also fine. Um, but, like, unless you do this, this is the moment where we discover that, like, what is about to happen? The kick off the other roof and so on. This referee is likely to go 40 points, which is why maybe some, some games go up to 100. I will leave this to Abbas. I have my own plan. Yeah. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's like if Abbas is the, the bribing referees kind of roof ball. Like I think he's got a more romantic view of the game, where like 
yeah, yeah, things like this don't happen. Like, but but he, I, I mean, once of course the referee does say forty points. Uh, I think, in fact, he might be caught up with the euphoria <laughs> and start celebrating. We'll celebrating with the other team. Great. <laughs> Uh, this is the first time he has played roof ball in like twenty years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so you know, it's Makes like, sense. oh my god, I scored forty points. Take, we're not already seeing this. We does <laughs> excellent. So what happens, in fact, is that um, Abbas, you have led your team to such an incredible goal, and the ball is placed in front of you. Vinay recognizes you and places in front of you, knowing that whatever you do, you know, points will be fine. Why do you kick it? Where do I kick it? Oh. And so blows out our brief candle. I named the disciples of the ceaseless temple thus, with both their false names and true. Saumitri called Tree as the GM. Zoheb called Cloud as Miraz. Prince as Vickers. Emma as Joan. Adiyat called Soap as Abbas. Blades in the Dark and the original inspiration for Udo Asha by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions. Iruvian Playbooks by John Stone Metzger. Jalandahar Intro Music by Kevin McLeod. Outro Music in Kiravani Ragam by Yu Srinivas. Follow us at Desperate Attune on Twitter or email us at desperateattune at gmail.com Support us at ko-fi.com slash desperateattune <laughs>